So happy Father's Day to all you dads. And uh, we can open to 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Of course, being Father's Day, uh, I'm going to preach a Father's Day sermon today. Uh, but next Sunday, I'm going to share some things that the Lord has put on my heart uh, as we head toward the 4th of July. And then after that, for several Sundays, we're going to look, on what, look at what Jesus said to the seven churches of Revelation. And that'll really be interesting. We can learn a lot from what he said to the churches of Revelation. Very interesting study. But anyway, today being Father's Day, we'll start with a few funny things. I hope you'll find they're funny about fathers. Uh, the story is told of a father of five young children who came home with a toy. He summoned his children and asked which of them should be given the present. Who is the most obedient one here? Who never talks back to mommy and does everything that she says to do, he inquired. There were a few seconds of silence and then all the children said in unison, you play with it, daddy. (laughs) And then we'll have the top ten things you'll never hear a dad say. Top ten things you'll never hear a dad say. Number ten. Well, how about that? I'm lost. Looks like we'll have to stop and ask for directions. Number nine. You know, Pumpkin, now that you're 14, you're ready for unchaperoned dates. Won't that be fun? Number number eight. I noticed that all of your friends are really rude and impolite. I like that. Number seven, here's my credit card. Have fun shopping. Remember, the sky's the limit. Number six, son, I don't want you to play football. How about ballet dancing? Number five, your mother and I are going away for the weekend. Why don't you kids throw a big party here at the house? Number four, you know, pumpkin, your skirts, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, pumpkin, your skirts are a bit too long. I really think you should have them shortened a bit. Number three, no son of mine is going to live under this roof without an earring. Now quit your belly aching and let's go to the mall. Number two, forget about mowing the lawn. Why don't you take my new car out for a spin instead? And the number one thing you'll never hear a dad say, what do you want to go get a job for? I make plenty of money for you to spend. Those are pretty good, huh? Top ten things you'll never hear dad say. So notice here in 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter and the 15th verse. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. And it's so true. You'll have many instructors in Christ, but you'll only have very few Father, spiritual fathers and mothers, but being fathers, we're centering in on fathers today. We need good fathers. You know, I've said much about my mom over the years. She was a member here at the church, started with us on the first day and and uh, was with us for all those years. She's in heaven now, but I've said very little about my dad. You know, his name was August, and he died when I was seven years old. He was 52, and he, he had a heart attack. And, uh, but he, you know, he was a hard worker. He was a crane mechanic. He worked for, uh, Fabic. And, uh, he was a good provider. He provided for, for my mom and, and 
my brothers and myself. He loved my mom and uh, his mom, my grandma. He loved my brothers and myself. He loved to fly on big jets. And uh, I didn't take after him on that. He took me fishing. And sometimes he took me to work with him. Once in a while I'd get to go just, you know, on a Saturday I'd go when he was working a couple of hours and I would just watch the cranes. And one day I remember he let me go in the crane and they had a big big cement ball, a, cr- a crushing ball, a demolition ball that they would slam against the sides of buildings. And there was some kind of an old junk car that they needed to d- demolish and I got to pull the lever and watch that thing come down and crash on that car. I thought that was pretty cool. He... Uh, Took me to a Cardinals baseball game. I still remember walking into Bush Stadium the first time and seeing back then it was the AstroTurf. And I never, I'd never seen anything quite like that. Uh, I remember I used to wait for him in the evenings. I'd get home from school about 3.30 and he'd get home probably around 6. And I would wait for him to come home. And it's about a 50-yard uh, distance there from the front window of the, the house there where he would come around the road. I'd wait for his lights to come around, you know. And I'd get home from school and I was so excited about going out to see him every evening. I, and in the wintertime, I'd keep my coat on in the house because I didn't want to take the time to have to put the coat on when he got home. And never knew exactly when he was going to come home. You know, the time varied a little bit. And I remember in the house just in the wintertime and I had my coat on just sweating and sweating and sweating because I didn't want to take my coat off because I wanted to go out and meet my dad as soon as he got home. And I remember I'd get in the vehicle with him, that yellow Fabic truck, and I'd sit on his lap and I'd drive the car around the little turnaround there, you know and drive it into the garage I still I still remember that and uh, I remember he sat with me in Sunday school I wouldn't stay there by myself because I was a little kid and I I didn't want to be there alone and so he would uh, he would sit with me in the corner while they would uh, the teacher would teach the lesson and so he really loved me and I really loved him and uh, uh, it's sad that I didn't get to you know grow up with uh, with him but uh, you know, that's that's the way it happened. He passed away when when I was seven. But uh, just thought I'd say some things about him since I've never really said much about him over the years. Um, the myths of fatherhood, the myths of fatherhood. You know what a myth is, something that is believed by many, but is not true. Five myths today of fatherhood. Myth number one. Remember, a myth is something that's believed by many, but is not true. Myth number one, dads are treated as well on Father's Day as moms are on Mother's Day. You know, a small boy's definition of Father's Day, he said, it's just like Mother's Day, only we don't spend as much money. But it's really true. According to the National Retail Federation, $7.4 billion less is spent at least in 2014, was spent less on fathers than on mothers. So I guess there's some truth to that. So that's a myth that dads are treated as well on Father's Day as moms on Mother's Day. Here's myth number two. A godly dad will always produce godly children. A godly dad will always produce godly children. That's a myth. That's not always so. You know, if you look back in the Old Testament, you'll see... The kings, you know, there were many kings of Israel and Judah and so on. And, uh, you know, Jotham, he was a very godly king, very godly man. And he had a son named Ahaz who was very wicked. 
And then Ahaz had a son, Hezekiah, and he was the most godly king, perhaps one of the most godly kings that you'll see. And then Hezekiah had a son named Manasseh, and he was one of the most wicked men in the Bible. I think a lot of times I've watched this over the years, godly men. You know, they love Jesus, they serve God, they, they attend church, they, they love their family, they do everything that they can, and they love their children, and, and yet their children don't turn out to be godly. And the devil oftentimes will beat that man up and say, you know, you, know you, you should have done this, you should have done that, you should have done the other. But you need to realize that we have free wills and you can be the exemplary father and still produce children that don't follow God. You need to understand that. And you see, it's a myth. It's a myth to think that a godly dad will always produce godly children. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But, you know, especially if you're here today and you're a dad and, and uh, you know, you have children that aren't serving the Lord as they should. You know, don't let the devil beat you up with that. If you've been a good example for him, the Bible says train up a child in the way he should go when he's old, he'll not depart from it. And just hold on to that scripture. I remember I was in the office one day and I had a couple in there and they were questioning me about that scripture. And, and their child was not serving the Lord as they should. And, and they were upset and they wanted to know, you know, if, if God lied. Well, we know God doesn't lie. And I was sitting there, and the Holy Spirit said to me, tell them that their child isn't old yet. So that's what I told them. He spoke on the inside. And you know, that's really a sharp answer. When he's old, when they're old, they'll not depart from it. So the child wasn't old yet. You see what I'm saying? We need to wait on the Holy Ghost. Amen. But nonetheless, sometimes children don't turn out as as, as we would like. Even... Uh, the prophet Samuel, remember him? How many remember Samuel, the prophet, very godly man? He had sons, and the Bible said they did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, and they took bribes, and they perverted justice. Think about that. These are Samuel's sons. He was a judge of Israel, and he one of the greatest prophets in the entirety of the Bible. And he had children that didn't, didn't follow the Lord. So it's a myth to think that a godly dad will always produce godly children. Now, I will say this. If a dad is godly, there is a lot better chance that his children will be godly also. But it doesn't always happen that way. Uh, I will say this also, too, that a father's attitude will typically affect the children. And you can see this, and I really think this is interesting to point out. Go to Second Chronicles 26.16. 2 Chronicles 26.16. One of my favorite characters in the entirety of the Bible, few people know who he is, is King Uzziah. One of these days I'm going to preach on him again. But uh, you can learn a lot of lessons from him. But notice in Second Chronicles 26.16, just this one part of his life here, the Bible said when he was strong, his heart, notice his heart, was lifted up to his destruction. He transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Notice, he had a heart issue, didn't he? Not talking about the blood pump now, I'm talking about his attitude. His, he had a heart issue. But you say, well, why is that? Well, one thing I would point out, let's go back to chapter 25. Look right up at chapter 25 at his father. His father Amaziah. Notice this. 
Notice Uzziah's father. Uzziah had a heart problem. Notice Second Chronicles 25, 2 says this of Uzziah's father, Amaziah. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Other translations translate it this way, but not wholeheartedly. Or we could say it this way. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but he did it with a bad attitude. Did you know you can do right things in front of your children, but if you do it with a bad attitude, they're going to pick up on that? Did you know that? A good example of that is, uh, does the Bible say we ought to go to church? Ten regularly, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. So, you know, you can you can go through the mechanical motions of coming to church. But as you're driving to church, if you're huh, in front of your children, that'll affect them, won't it? Even though you're doing a good and right thing, you're coming to church. But if you're doing it with a bad attitude, that will affect them negatively. I'm, I'm convinced of that. And, and I've noticed this about attitudes. You know that you can, you can have a bad attitude and not even say a word. Did you know that? You know, body actions and facial expressions and, you know, well, let's go get in the car. Or, it's time to go. And the father's going, And then he sees the pastor. Hi, pastor. And then after church is over, get back in the car and drive back home. You know, you're doing the right thing, but it's not with the right attitude. It, it, you understand? Or when the tithe bucket goes by, tithe and offering bucket. You know, you can put your tithe and offering in there, but you can do it with a bad attitude. You know, just have trouble letting go of the money, but you let the money go. But you do it with a bad attitude. You know, you'd be better off to keep that money. Did you know that? I'd rather you keep it. God would rather you keep it than to give it with a bad attitude. And so Amaziah did the right things in front of his son, but he didn't do it with his whole heart. His whole heart wasn't in his service to God. And kids can pick up on that. And I believe that that possibly affected his son Uzziah. And all those years later, it showed up, it cropped up in his life. So let's do what we do for the Lord with a good and a right heart. What do you say? So then that was myth number two, that godly fathers automatically produce godly sons now, or, or children. Now, here's myth number three. Dads are not as important as moms. Dads are not as important as moms. That's a myth. See, a myth is something that a lot of people believe, but it's not true. There's a lot of folks... In this world that would say, well, yeah, moms are more important than dads. I don't think we ought to have a competition. They're both important. But it's a myth to say that dads are not as important as moms. Now, moms are important. Don't misunderstand me. But notice in Ephesians 6, verse 4, Ephesians 6, verse 4, I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation, and they'll have it on the screen up there. Ephesians 6, verse 4. Notice the Bible exhorts fathers here. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Notice there's an exhortation that God gives specifically to the fathers. You know, it's not the job of the mom to raise the children by herself. It's the job of the mom and the dad together. Both of them working as a team. 
And notice the Bible exhorts the fathers to discipline the children and instruct them in the things of God. Fathers play a big role in their children's lives. Now let me just read a few things here to you. Just listen to this. Again, it's a little different today. It's a Father's Day message. So um, don't have as much scripture as we usually would. But just listen to this. Why fathers are important. A study showed that a father's influence on his children starts when they are very young. Dads who played with their two-year-olds in sensitive, supportive, and challenging ways had stronger relationships with them between the ages of 10 and 16. You know, it's important for dads to play with the kids when they're little. A study said, listen, it said, what are we finding out about why dad is so important to a baby's social development? Five, 10, and 20 years down the line. Quite a bit. Kids less attached to their dads at age five were more anxious, withdrawn, and self-confident at age nine which translated to less acceptance by peers and less well-adjusted at school. Another study provides the quintessential win-win situation for dads, moms, and kids. Recent research from UC Riverside shows that when fathers do housework with their children, their kids turn out to be better adjusted and more socially aware. And it makes mom happier too. Another study showed that dads interacting with their children can encourage the children to take healthy risks. Something you wouldn't think about. This uh, got me to thinking, you know, my dad died, as I said a while ago, when I was very young. And uh, in life, I've not been one that you can ask my wife, you know, there are some healthy risks we need to take. I like what one good minister said, you won't find out until you step out. You know, this pertains to the things of God or anything you do in life. You know, if God directs you to do something, how many of you know it's going to take faith to do it? And any time you step out in faith, you're taking a risk, aren't you? Well, what if it don't work? Yeah, but what if it does? But I noticed having been raised without a father figure in the house, and my mom did a wonderful job, I think. Uh, she did as good as you could, could, could do as a single parent, I think. But uh, I, I, without, and I've thought a lot about this, being raised without a, without a father figure in, in the home, I'm not a big risk taker, not even healthy risks. You know, I, I look back now and, and I didn't uh, go as far as I could have gone in the game of golf. I was a pretty good golfer when I was a kid, but I didn't want to take risks. I didn't want to get in the golf tournament because what if I lose? Yeah, but what if I win? I didn't want to take the risk. I remember when I graduated from high school, I had had, uh, I had, had algebra 1, algebra geometry, algebra 2, uh, trig, math analysis. I had all that, made A's and all of that. When I got out of high school, uh, when you go to college, I should have been, my freshman year of college, I should have been in Calculus 1. That's what I should have taken. But I didn't take Calculus 1. Uh, when I came out of uh, high school, I, uh, you know, what did I say? I had Algebra 1, Geometry, Algebra 2, Trig, Math Analysis in high school. When I came out of high school, I took College Algebra at college. Now, I shouldn't have been in College Algebra. I should have been in Calculus. Why did I do that? Because I didn't want to take the risk of Failing. And then, then you'd think, well, the second semester of college, I would take, you know, calculus one. I didn't. I took trigonometry and math analysis. I'm wasting my time. I didn't want to take a risk. And sometimes I think, well, 
you know, possibly it's because, you know, I was raised without a dad in, in the house. I, I, my wife will tell you, I don't, I'm, I don't like to take even healthy risks. Sometimes we need to take some risks. Healthy risks. Do you hear what I'm, you hear what I'm saying? You know? And uh, that's affected me over the years. Um, that's affected me over the years. Healthy risks. And just so you know, the first math test I took in high school, ninth grade, algebra, you know what I got on it? An F. So I went on and got a major in mathematics from the University of Missouri Mathematics just to tell the teachers that told me I'd never make it in math just to prove them that they were wrong. And I don't use it today. I, I, I kiddingly say, you know, I've got all these advanced math class. Finally, I did finally step out and I took all the advanced I took calculus and all the advanced calculus and, and, and non-Euclidean geometry, linear algebra, all, all that stuff. Uh, Non-Euclidean geometry put me in tears. That one was tough. But I have all that and I don't ever use it. All I ever, now all I ever use is add, subtract, multiply, divide, and percents. I knew that when I was in the, in the, in the fourth grade, you know, so. But I did take a risk. But do you understand what I'm saying? Because I was raised without that father figure, it kept me from... It, it still affects me to today, I think. And, and, you know, I was thinking about this, too. You know, a, a, a dad... What do you see a dad usually do a lot of times with a young child? They'll take them and... Now, I've never seen a mom do this. Never have. Maybe they have. I've never seen one do it. But you, you see the, the dad taking the kid and throwing, throwing them up in the air and catching them. And I think there's something comes from the kid knows that the dad throws him up in the air and the dad's always going to catch him. I, I mean, uh, I've never seen a dad let his kid go splat yet. <laughs> but I think there's something that happens to a kid when they know they got a dad that's going to toss him and catch him and be there for him. You know what I'm saying? I found this. After the assassination of President John F. Kennedy, his young son, John Jr., asked William Haddad, who was an associate of JFK, he walked up to him, the little John Jr., the same kid that saluted. Remember that? He walked up to this fellow after his dad had been assassinated, and he asked him, he said, Are you a daddy? And Haddad told him that he was. In response, little John Jr. said, Then will you throw me up in the air and catch me? Think about that. Dads are important. Dr. James Dobson, have you ever heard of him? One of the finest ministers that there's ever been and, and a psychologist and just a godly man. I, I looked up some of his material on, on the importance of dads. I just want to take a few minutes and read, read this to you as it pertains to fathers and daughters and then fathers and sons. So, so listen to this. Talking about a father's impact on his daughter... And what he should hope to accomplish through that relationship. Listen to this. Fathers have an incalculable, incalculable, easy for me to say. Fathers have an incalculable, it's a, thank you. Fathers have an incalculable, 
impact on their daughters. Here, anyway, here's what he said. Most psychologists, that is Dr. Dobson, most psychologists believe, and I'm one of them, he said, that all future romantic relationships are influenced positively or negatively by the way a girl interacts with her dad in the childhood years. If that is true, then fathers should give careful thought to this responsibility and seek to be what their daughters need of them. There are, I believe, at least seven components to that assignment. Just real quickly here. First, a dad's leadership at home should be a model of strength and authority, but always tempered by love and compassion. Harsh discipline tends to close down a sensitive feminine spirit. But a dad who gives too much freedom and his lacks are unpredictable can create within his daughter a lifelong disdain for men. Second, a dad must remember that he is being watched closely by his little girl. The way he treats her mother will teach her volumes about how men and women should relate to one another. Blatant disrespect toward his wife will not be missed by the child. Third, I think it is good for a father to begin dating his daughter when she is six years of age or even earlier. Dad should let the child help plan their evenings and then see that they occur when and where promised. These times together are not intended simply for fun, although that is important. The father can also use them to show his daughter how a man treats a woman he respects. Uh, He can open doors for her, help her with her chair, and listen attentively when she speaks. Later, when she's a teenager, she will know what to expect or insist on from the boys she dates. That's pretty that's pretty smart, isn't it? Having the dad take the little girl, his daughter, on dates and things. Fourth, a dad should always look for ways to build the self-confidence of his of his little girl. If she believes he thinks she is pretty and special, she will be inclined to see herself that way. He holds the key to her self-acceptance. So important for dads, this is me talking now, but it agrees with with the expert here. It's important that dads tell little girls how beautiful they are. Because if you don't, somebody's going to. And the first one that comes along that tells her how special she is and how pretty she is, even though that guy may be an unsavory guy, she's going to, because nobody's ever told her that before, she's going to gravitate to that guy and he might be unsavory. But if, she used, if she's used to hearing it, then when somebody comes along and tells her how, you know, pretty she is, then it won't, you know, she's used to hearing it. So she won't necessarily gravitate to somebody that's unsavory. Don't you think that's pretty smart, too? Fifth, the father should keep the lines of communication open throughout childhood so that he is seen as someone to whom his daughter can turn when she needs advice. She will need that counsel before she is grown. Sixth, God designed men to be the providers and protectors of their families. Their daughters should perceive them that way. Dad is often his little girl's hero and it is wonderful when that kind of relationship develops. And finally, a father must be the spiritual leader of his family, making clear his devotion to Jesus Christ and to the principles in Scripture. He should give the highest priority to bringing up his daughters and his sons, of course, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So that's as it pertains to fathers and daughters. Now, just briefly, some things here on what Dr. Dobson said about fathers and sons. Now, listen to this. 
Uh, Though children of all ages, both male and female, have an intimate need for contact with their fathers, boys suffer most from the absence or non-involvement of fathers. Boys without fathers are twice as likely to drop out of school, twice as likely to go to jail, and nearly four times as likely to need treatment for emotional and behavioral problems as boys with fathers. As I review research on family disintegration, this is James Dobson, I am repeatedly confronted with the same disturbing issue. Boys are in trouble today primarily because their parents, and especially their dads, are distracted, overworked, exhausted, disinterested, chemically dependent, and unable to cope with society, are just not present at all. And I saw that when I was teaching school. In the absence of a father... Mothers are left to do a job for which they have had little training or experience. Having never been boys, women often have only a vague notion of how to go about raising one. Uh, Though divorce is difficult for children of both sexes, it is devastating for males. The basic problem is the lack of discipline and supervision in the father's absence And his unavailability to teach what it means to be a man. Fathers are crucial in helping boys to manage their emotions. Without the guidance and direction of a father, a boy's frustration often leads to violence and other antisocial behavior. Numerous other researchers agree that losing a dad or never having one is catastrophic for young males. Thirty years ago, it was believed that poverty and discrimination were primarily responsible for juvenile crime and other behavioral problems. Now we know that family disruption is the real culprit. This almost done with this. Listen, prisons are now. This is interesting. Prisons are populated primarily by men who were abandoned or rejected by their fathers. Motivational speaker and writer Zig Ziglar quotes his friend Bill Glass, a dedicated evangelist who, listen to this, who counseled almost every weekend for 25 years with men who were incarcerated as saying that among the thousands of prisoners he had met, not one of them genuinely loved his dad. Ninety five percent of those on death row hated their fathers. Wow. Lucille Ball, remember Lucy? I love Lucy. Shortly before her death, did a remarkable TV interview with Merv Griffin. He asked her a very serious and pointed question. Lucille, you've lived a long time on this earth and you're a wise person. What's happened to our country? What's wrong with our children? This was years ago. Why are our families falling apart? What's missing? And Lucy answered without hesitation. She said this, Papa is missing. Things are falling apart because Papa's gone. If Papa were here, he would fix it. I'm just so thankful because, you know, my dad died, as I said, when I was very young. But I'm just thankful that, uh, that, that God helped me and he put a lot of father figures in my life. Very, very supernaturally. I could talk an hour about all the different men that he put in my life. And, and, and good men that he put in my life that filled in that gap for my dad. Thank God for that. All right. Myth number four, and I'll be almost done. Myth number four. Only a biological father is a real father. 
Listen to that. Myth, that's myth. It's something that's believed by many. Huh? But it's not true. Right? And this is a myth. Only a biological father is a real father. You know, it takes very little to be a biological father. Very little. But only a true father and a real man can fulfill the things that we've just talked about. I tell you what, I've watched this more than once over the years where you'll have the biological father. And I don't know how else to say it, but he's a deadbeat. Did you hear what I just said? Did I, did I need to spell that? He, he's biologically the father of the kids, but he's a deadbeat. And as time goes on, the woman has to divorce the guy because he's, he's just a deadbeat. Now, God hates divorce. We're not advocating a divorce. But when you're married to a deadbeat and he's running around cheating on you and all that, sometimes you have no alternative. And so then she'll go marry a decent man. And that man will take her children and love those children. Did you hear me? And love those children and take care of those children and look after those children. And then, you know, uh, see to it that the children do the homework and do their chores. How many of you know it's a good thing to have kids do chores, do homework? Huh? Is that, is that right? And, and, and the, the stepfather is the meanie. Huh? The meanie? Mean. He makes the kid go to school and do the homework and, you know, and he loves the children and he plays with them and throws them up in the air and catches them and catches them and does all of that. But yet when it comes time for the kids to go over to the biological father's house. He lets them stay up and do whatever they want. Let's them stay up till one, two in the morning. Let's them smoke and drink and do all kinds of stuff. Huh? Don't have to do homework over there. And and then when Father's Day comes, the real dad, who's not the biological father, he's the real dad there. I said, he's the real dad. I said, he's the real dad. But because he's not biological, he usually gets the short end of the stick. And the deadbeat, who did nothing more but perform a sexual act, might as well just say it. Huh? Might as well just say it. He's the one that gets the accolades and the presents and the... And that's very sad, isn't it? It takes very little to be a biological father. But only a true father and a true real man can fulfill the requirements of fatherhood. Finally, myth number five. Myth number five. Fathers don't have feelings like mothers do. Close with a statement from Irma Bombeck. Remember her? If you don't, you ought to Google her and look her up. Very interesting individual. Kind of had a tongue-in-cheek kind of humor. 
Just listen to this and then we'll close. One morning, my father didn't get up and go to work. He went to the hospital and died the next day. I hadn't thought that much about him before. He was just someone who left and came home and seemed glad to see everyone at night. He opened the jar of pickles when no one else could. He was the only one in the house who wasn't afraid to go into the basement by himself. He cut himself shaving, but no one kissed it or got excited about it. He was un- it was understood that when it rained, he got the car and brought it around to the front door. When anyone was sick, he went out and got the prescription filled. He took lots of pictures, but was never in any of them. Whenever I played house, the mother doll had a lot to do. I never knew what to do with the daddy doll, so I had him say, I'm going off to work now, and threw him under the bed. The funeral, the fu- the funeral was in our living room, sorry, and a lot of people came and brought all kinds of good food and cakes. We had never had so much company before. I went to my room and felt under the bed for the daddy doll. When I found him, I dusted him off and put him on my bed. He never did anything. I didn't know his leaving would hurt so much. Stand with me if you would. Just with heads bowed and eyes closed. I just want to encourage you to be good to your dad today. Be good to him. Say, well, my dad's all, you know, he's passed. Well, then remember him. Honor him. Yeah, but he did things to me that hurt me. Well, even though he's gone, forgive it. Think about him, honor him. If your dad's still alive here on the earth, call him up. Spend time with him. Love him. Thank him for what he did for you. You know, maybe you have, you know, we all have biological fathers, but Maybe you weren't raised by your biological father, but a stepfather or foster parent or someone of that nature. Remember the myth that only biological fathers are real fathers. So whoever were those father figures in your life, remember them today. Love on them. A lot of what I preached here today, some of you may not even know it or not, but I'm preaching about myself on some of these things. And, uh, see, I know what it's like to be seven years old and have the workers from Fabic come in and knock on the door. My dad was in Pennsylvania and he was working on a crane and he passed away. And the 
Back here in Fenton, the Fabic workers came to the door and knocked. My mom and grandma had just been out shopping for my dad's birthday. It was just going to be a few days away. And my dad had passed away. And they looked in my mom's eyes and they didn't have the heart to tell her. So they called my oldest brother on the phone and told him. And he came over. I still remember it as he sat there and said that dad was, was gone. So why do you say this, Pastor? I'd say it to get you to think. You don't know how many more Father's Days you'll have with your dad. So love on him. Care for him. Remember him. And of course, it goes without saying. A lot of times on Father's Day, I'll teach about our great Heavenly Father. Today, I just felt led to do this. But let's don't ever forget God. Our great heavenly father. And let's remember him and honor him and love him. Most of all. Now if you're here today. And you've never. Repented of your sins and asked Jesus to come in your heart. I want to encourage you to do that before you leave here today. The Bible says. Now listen to this. Fits right in here. The Bible says we're all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. See, God does not become your heavenly father. See, see, here's another myth. Here's a myth. Here's a myth that we're all God's children. That's a myth. A lot of people believe that, but it's not true. We're only the children of God by what? Faith in Christ Jesus. So if, you've, if, if you're here today and you've never placed your faith in Christ Jesus, God's not your heavenly father, but he wants to be and he can be in a moment of time. When we dismiss, just all you got to do is walk right up here to the front and say, hey, I want, I want God to be my heavenly father. And, and they'll, these nice people up here will lead you in prayer and, and you can receive Jesus and place your faith in him and become a child of God. So do that if you've never done it before you leave today. It's so important to do because there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. The only way you miss hell is to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So do that before you leave today. And go out, honor one another, love one another, and most of all, honor the Heavenly Father. Remember your dads. God bless you. Thanks for coming today. We'll see you next Sunday. You're dismissed.